third for Joshua Palacios. And it's a drive to right field by Joshua Palacios. Look at him go! Oh, Brooklyn, baby! Clear the deck with a huge pinch hit cannonball! Three run blast! You are listening to Rum Buncher Radio. It is September. We are nearing uh, the end of September. As crazy as that is, we are nearing the end of the 2023 Major League Baseball season. We had a call to start our show, as always, but how about a round of applause that we're going to pump in right here? (laughs) To the end of the 2023 Pittsburgh Pirates season, Marty. As it's just myself and Marty Lee joining you tonight on this episode of Rum Buncher Radio, wishing uh, our guy Nick Caparoso good health here in the coming days. We're going to, you know, get the whole crew back together in a week or so to really dive into uh, this 2023 season, recap everything and get you ready for the offseason. But wanted to get back here and, um, you know, kind of talk about the last couple of weeks of Pirates baseball, the highs, the lows. Certain things that you love, certain things that you hate. Um, you know, and overall, a, a Pittsburgh Pirates team that found themselves just six and a half games out of that last wild card spot last week. But, um, you know, Marty, I don't think any of us thought that this team was a playoff contender following the month of May. And uh, while there have been a lot of highs, there's definitely been some lows that have come with it this season. And, you know, we really went in on it last week, the episode before that as well. Just kind of... Um, you know, ranting, if you will, about the pitching situation in Pittsburgh, about the roster makeup now in year number four of this regime. Uh, but overall, Marty, I don't I, I say we, we stray away from some of that tonight and, um, you know, kind of focus on some more of the, the newsy stuff going on. Talk about, um, you know, some of the future plans here as well. The Pittsburgh Steelers are into their season they begun on Monday night uh, against the Cleveland Browns. I missed the end of that game. I'm not sure if the Steelers won or lost, because this is a a Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. It's not about the Steelers, but Marty, it is football season. I want to know how you're doing. I know uh, your Penn State and the Lions are off to a great start. The school year is off and rolling. So we get into it tonight. Uh, Hope you guys are all doing really well. Marty, how you doing? Well, I, I, I'm doing all right. I, it's, it's, you know, cold slash allergy season for those of us who live north of the Mason-Dixon there, Trey. So I feel like crap tonight. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll power through here and we'll get it done. But, uh, yeah, you know, school year's off to a good start. He said my, my Nittany Lions are looking good. So uh, can't complain about that. And, you know, this is – we kind of talked about it a little bit before we came on the air. But this is one of those just wonderful times of year with football season and baseball overlapping and – then you get them in October where they continue to overlap and you get the baseball playoffs. And it's just, it's, it's, you, you can't, as a sports fan, you can't ask for much more than, more than September and October, two of the best months of the sports calendar for me because you get that overlap between baseball and football. So just uh, soaking it up and enjoying every second of it. It's, uh, it's incredible. It's almost like one long holiday. But I, you know, I, I kind of, I go back and forth here, Marty. I want your take. What's better this time of the year where we get the crossover of, the end of baseball, the beginning of football, and some other sports mixed in there? Or do you prefer the time of the year where it's baseball opening day, the NCAA tournament, the Masters, that time? Because I think, you know, and, and maybe uh, let us know on Twitter, at Rumbunter, if you guys have any other parts of the year you think are better. But I think those are the two that people would generally say are the best sports times of the year. What's your, what's your favorite? 
Yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking at it from more of a longer perspective, it's definitely this time of year because you get to do months of it. But I've always said that stretch of the NCAA tournament to opening day to the Masters is probably the best 10 days to two weeks of the entire sports calendar because you just get – I mean, the, the, there's nothing better than the NCAA tournament. There's just, just nothing. And, you know, opening day is – should be a national holiday. The Masters are majestic. So that's probably the best, like, two-week stretch – I think overall, this is this is on a long term stretch. Give me this stretch here, but nothing beats those two weeks of March Madness, opening day, and the Masters. You can't beat it. I'm with you. I think that's that's the go to, and I think uh, we can say that confidently, considering that's the pick. We're saying it now during the other crossover time of the year. So, um, but you can't go wrong. This has been a, a wild season that is now coming to an end here, Marty. And uh, I know the Steelers are kicking up here as well. Just a real quick outlook. Like I said, this is a Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. We talk baseball here, but uh, you feel good about your Steelers this year, Marty? I mean, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows I'm not a believer in Kenny Pickett at all. Um, and nothing that he's done this year has led me to believe at all. So uh, I think that will hold them back. I mean, their defense obviously is just as good as any in the league. They're, the defense single-handedly beat the Browns for them on Monday night. Not for two defensive scores. They don't win that game, but uh, – yeah, I think uh, I think Kenny Pickett will hold them back and probably prevent them from getting to where they could go. Because I just I just don't think I don't think Pickett has it as an NFL quarterback. I've never felt that way, and what we've seen so far certainly doesn't make me change my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting year. Um, I got Najee too. I, I like the Steelers, uh, but uh, you know that division looks stout. Maybe not the Bengals so far, but uh, and you know hell, maybe not the Browns without Nick Chubb. We're going to see what happens there. Um, and a quick aside, you know, I don't want to go on too much of a tangent to start our episode here, but uh, it's tough, Marty. Uh, lifelong Pirates fan, of course, live, breathe Pittsburgh Pirates. And I think sometimes, you know, I find myself, I'm never pulling against the Steelers, but almost uh, apathetic in, in a way. And, um, you know, I guess in a sense, uh, you know, a little bit um, ticked off by the Steelers and the Penguins at times, because I think the city of Pittsburgh clamors to those teams a little bit more than the pirates and that's not always been the case but you know in our lifetimes i'm 24 um you know it's always been about the steelers and about the penguins and they've they've won they've done a lot more winning than the pirates but do you think the city as a whole cares more about those two teams than the pittsburgh pirates honestly i've always thought the pirates and penguins are kind of similar um you know a lot of people don't may not remember this because it's been so long but man pre pre lockout and pre sid um there was a stretch of time there were uh, this city just did not care about the penguins at all because they were terrible everybody thought they were going to leave obviously they didn't thankfully they didn't i'm a huge hockey guy i always have been but uh now the steelers obviously has a little bit of a different animal because there might not be a sports team in the world with a better fan base than the pittsburgh steelers and I, i've always said people say about pittsburgh being a great sports town I'm not going to say it's not, but to me, I've always felt it's more of Pittsburgh is a great football town that likes sports. It's not necessarily a great sports town, but uh, no, when, when the Pirates are winning and we saw it in 13, 14, 15, when the Pirates are winning, hell, we saw it earlier this year, the, this city rallies around them. They fill the ballpark. It's electric. But I think some of that too comes from the fact that, you know, it's been, we've had so few winners in the last 30 years, it's been so long since we've had division pennants, since we've had a, a World Series, that people just yearn it so badly that 
that that's a big part of it. But uh, yeah, you know, the Steelers will always be on their own, their own, uh, their own little stratosphere here in Pittsburgh. But when when the Pirates are winning, people in this city will eat, sleep, and breathe Pirate baseball. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you know, that's the thing. It's like uh, the city of Pittsburgh in general is one of the most passionate cities when it comes to their sports teams. And I think some of it, you know, football is just a different animal in a lot of cities, in America in general. I mean, it's, uh, you know, considered the number one sport for a reason. So you're going to have that. But you said it. I mean, Pittsburgh truly um, maybe the best football city in America. And, uh, you know, the Pirates haven't done a lot of winning. So and the tradition and everything else, too, that goes along with both franchises. But, um, yeah, I hear you, Marty. And uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are off and rolling. The Pittsburgh Pirates are beginning to wrap it up here. Let's uh, let's get into it tonight, Marty. And uh, if you guys have not already, if you're listening to the podcast, you've probably been to our website before, rumbunter.com. Check out our articles there. If you haven't, go do that. It's free. It is uh, where you're going to be able to catch up on all of our written content surrounding this team and, and the close to this season and everything going on in the minor leagues as well. But let's talk about the top major league note to get us started. Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, will not uh, participate in another game this season. I think that news had broken since the last time we recorded. So it's obviously a bit delayed here, um, you know, to talk about the injury in general. But let's kind of focus on what's ahead now. Andrew McCutcheon, you know, is the Pittsburgh Pirate. This is a guy that, uh, you know, has defined what baseball in Pittsburgh means for, you know, the better part of, of a decade now, decade plus and, um, you know, I have to assume, Marty, that we will see him back in a Pirates uniform next season and, um, you know, potentially on after that. Yeah, you know, first and foremost, Kutch has already said he doesn't plan on retiring. He plans on playing again next year. <clears throat> Excuse me. He said multiple times that um, he doesn't plan on playing for anyone but the Pittsburgh Pirates ever again. And it's not even just that. Like, he put together a really strong year, you know. He got on base – at a 378 clip, he had 16% walk rate. His strikeout rate was only 21%. He hit 12 home runs. Um, he had his best offensive season since at least 2019. And he had a really good season. He was arguably the team's best hitter, not named Brian Reynolds this year. And probably key Brian Hayes. But a big thing, too, he got 299 home runs. He's not going to retire with 299 home runs. There's no way. I expect him to be back. I expect him to be back with Pittsburgh. Hopefully next year, maybe he can use his offseason, rest up rest up the elbow also so he can uh, potentially help out and play a little more right field next year as opposed to kind of being stuck at DH. But, uh, yeah, uh, when it just when, when the Pirates have opened up their – excuse me, when the Pirates open up their 2024 season next year, um, when they open up in Miami on March 28th, I fully anticipate Andrew McCutcheon being that lineup. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if this almost turns into uh, something similar to what we used to see with Roger Clemens and the Yankees every year, where it's just a one-year deal after one-year deal until both sides decide it's time. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's going to do that for as long as Clemens did, but I wouldn't be surprised to see something like that either. I'm with you. I mean, it's – it, it just makes so much sense. And we'll see it continue to uh, to go on until it's run its course for both parties. What At what point do you think this becomes, um, uh, you know, I guess, at what point next season do you think that it doesn't make sense to have him in the lineup every day? Do you think that even comes at any point next season to where there's just more production with other guys in the lineup? 
Um, you know, or or do we see Andrew McCutcheon if he's healthy, continue to be a mainstay in this lineup on as many days as um, you know he he is able to? I mean, as long as he plays the way he did this year and hits the ball the way he did this year, he'll stay in that lineup. Um, like I said, it, he finishes the year with a 115 WRC plus, a 112 OPS plus, a 776 OPS. Like those are really strong numbers. Those are all well above league average. Um, now, I mean, I would like to see him use a little differently next year. I mean, if he's going to continue to walk at a 16% clip, get on base at almost a 380 clip, I'd love to see him at the top of the lineup more often to help set the table, you know, with Brian Reynolds and Key Brian Hayes and hopefully a, a healthy O'Neill Cruz behind him to drive him in. Um, but, yeah, if he continues to play the way he did this year, there, there's no reason for him not to continue to be in the lineup every day next year, assuming he's back. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and you just hope that uh, whatever the end of this looks like, whether next season is it for, for Pittsburgh and Andrew McCutcheon or, you know, he continues to be a pirate for years to come after that, you just hope it ends the right way because this is obviously not the right way. Um, 299, of course, is not the right way to end it uh, with home runs there. So, I, um, you know, I think everybody looks forward to next season and uh, the fact that we will see Andrew McCutcheon in a Pirates uniform again. And I get to see him achieve those milestones that are still out there. But, um Tough news, uh, you know, when all that um, went down and uh, moved from the 10-day to the 60-day IL earlier today. More managerial than anything else, but um, he is officially on that list. And uh, the Pirates now, as we record here uh, on September the 19th, they begin to wrap it up. Marty, what are your thoughts on this month in general? You know, a month that I think saw some ups and downs of their own, but, you know, a month where you had a little winning streak and you kind of got into that, uh, that rush in a sense – you and I both, I don't think we were ever fooled to the extent of, hey, this team could make the playoffs. This team could make a run. They could, But, you know, it was fun to see them string together some wins, get that energy. And, uh, you know, at times this month looked like they maybe were a contender in a sense. What are your general thoughts on the month of September? Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, it's nice to see them play some better baseball here to finish off year-wise. We were sitting here recording – on Tuesday night, they're currently in a rain delay um, in Chicago. We'll be getting started in about 20, 25 minutes or so. Um, and they said 10 games under 500. But, again, it's it's just nice to see them play stronger baseball to finish the year. For the most part, the bullpen's pitched pretty well this month. Um, Mitch Keller and Johan Oviedo, after some ups and downs, have really started to right the ship again and are finishing the season strong. Bailey Falter, who came over at the trade deadline from the Phillies, finished the year strong in the starting rotation. <clears throat> maybe uh, putting a down payment on a spot in the opening day rotation for next year. Um, now I will say my only real, I don't know, we want to call it concerns or whatever for this month. Um, we continue in, in what is a, an, a concerning trend. We continue to see the young hitters fail to show any progression at all. Um, Andy Rodriguez has been really bad in September Dover Paguero has been really bad in September. Um, I mean, he's only been off the injured list for, what, two, three days now or whatever. But um, since returning from the injured list, Henry Davis is 0 for 7 with six strikeouts. So you want to see these young hitters finish the season on a high note. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter what this team does in the offseason in terms of adding at first base, adding in the starting rotation, adding to the bullpen. If you don't have your Pagueros, especially don't have Andy Rodriguez and Henry Davis, take that next step as a hitter. Um, it doesn't matter because those are 
those are two guys you plan on building around. Those two guys you plan on being key cogs. I mean, you kind of pencil Davis in as your big bopper, as your run producer, your top guy when you drafted him number one overall. So if you don't get that out of those two next year and probably, you know, a guy like a Paguero, whoever it may be, at least out of one more of them, it, it doesn't matter what else happens. But ultimately, they're, they're, they're playing better baseball in September. They're winning some games. They're The bullpen's pitching okay for the most part. And like I said, I think the most encouraging thing to me is you see Bailey Falter pitching well. Um, you see Keller and Oviedo finishing the year strong after some ups and downs. And ultimately, if you can go into next year feeling like those three will consistently give you an opportunity to win the game when they take the ball once every five days, that's a big step in the right direction. And if you can add some starting pitching to go with them in the offseason – and then hopefully by next summer, you can inject a Jared Jones, a Paul Skeens, an Anthony Salameda, whoever it may be, to this rotation. Um, you could be in a position to start winning some more baseball games. But, yeah, it's a, you're maybe not seeing it the way you want to see it. I mean, no knock on, you know, a guy like Miguel Andujar or a guy like Joshua Palacios who's had a nice month. Not that you don't want to see them do well, but if your choice was seeing them do well, Honestly, at this point, in this month of September with where this team's at, if my choice was those two do well and parts win games while Davis, Rodriguez, and Paguero struggle, or Davis, Rodriguez, and Paguero do well while they lose, I'd rather see those three do well and them lose because those two are much more important for the long-term health of this organization. No question. I mean, these games do not matter at all. You know, and I, I don't think that's a newsflash to anybody listening right now. It's – uh. You know, this is the end of the season. Please go watch. Enjoy these games. There's still an opportunity to watch the Pirates play, but they don't matter at all. Zero percent. Like you said, Marty, what matters is these young hitters getting better. These young pitchers getting better. And, you know, we, we have seen a bit of a turnaround from uh, from the young guys in the staff or the guys that you look to be, you know, your staff of the future here. But um, these young hitters are struggling. And it is a tip of the cap to Josh Palacios. I think he probably does make that opening day roster next year. And, um, you know, good for Miguel Andujar, changing things a little bit technically and uh, and figuring it out. But um, there's some problems here, Marty, with uh, a lot of stuff. We're not going to go down the tangent uh, rabbit hole tonight. But, um, you know, Marty, uh, you're top of the trolley. You can make it for the month or the week. What was the, the very best thing you saw out of this group here over the last stretch? I, I will go <clears throat> excuse me. Um a little bit of both, both recently and kind of the month as a whole. I'm gonna go with Mitch Keller and Johan Oviedo. Um Keller had that just horrendous start <laughs> um when he gave up eight runs in four innings or whatever it was, eight and five, I think, against the Braves. But his other two starts month really good. Six innings, one run and eight strikeouts against the Cardinals. Thursday against the Nats when eight scoreless probably could have thrown a complete game had Derek Shelton given him the opportunity um, was lifted of course. And uh, David Bednar came in to finish it off. But after what Keller won through that, that swoon in June and July to see him bounce back and outside of that one, just clunker start against Atlanta finish the year strong is encouraging. And then Johan Oviedo. Um, I know he had back-to-back poor starts after his complete game in Kansas City, went three and two-thirds and gave up three earned runs and back-to-back starts. But then Friday against the Yankees, um, he walked five, but to his credit, only gave up one run, struck out seven, was able to work through it. Excuse me, that's a nice learning experience for a young pitcher against a, any lineup to walk five batters and battle through seven strikeouts 
and still managed to go five and only one run, especially against a lineup. I know this Yankee lineup's not what was anticipated or anything, but still, I mean, you still have some thumpers in there. So I'll go with those two. Um, Keller's for more of September as a whole outside of that one bad start and OVA those four the last week to have that nice bounce back performance at the Yankees, a performance where he had to work really hard to go five innings and only give up one run because of his five walks. But to his credit, he, he fought through it, got big strike up when he needed them and won five strong. You know, I, I love Johan Oviedo for a lot of reasons, but the fight, just the resiliency is unmatched. I mean, I don't remember a player in recent history, position player or a pitcher that just had that, that resilience uh, about him. I mean, the dude just battles. And uh, I think that's kind of been the the microcosm of his season. We've seen ups and downs and, you know, him continue to, to wear his heart on his sleeve and, um, you know, battle through it. But, uh, yeah, you know, you feel good there. Solid top of the trolley. Um, let's go to Sour Pierogi real quick. But, uh, you know, I'll go ahead. Jared Jones and Anthony Solomato, how concerned with, with these struggles are you, Marty? I mean, these are two pitchers that, you know, we expect to uh, – to be two guys that you lean on in the future here, potentially as starters, um, you know, maybe maybe in the bullpen, but, um, you know, guys that throughout the year, throughout their minor league seasons, we thought, hey, okay, well, you know, maybe Ronzi's not going to work out. Maybe some of these guys that we've tested, it's just not happening. But Anthony Solomato's on the way. Jared Jones is on the way. They're struggling right now, Marty. That's my sour pierogi. How much of a concern um, are these struggles to you? I mean, it's tough to say for a lot of reasons. I mean, first off, they're both young for their for where they're at in the minors right now, especially Solomedo to only be 20 and be in double A. But at the same time, you don't ever want to see them struggle like this. Um, and again, what you said about, oh, you know, well, hey, it's not working out for Contreras, but we've got this guy and we've got that. that that's why that's a dangerous game to play. Because it's not to say they're not going to pan out. Um where are we supposed but, to find hope, though, Marty? I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's why it's that's dangerous. Whenever you have a pitching prospect as highly touted as Rollins and Contreras was at one point, and if they don't work out, they got all right. So and so is coming. Well, you don't know that they're coming. You don't know that they're going to pan out until they get up here and they start pitching well. So, again, I mean, I would like to think at least one of the two, if not both of them, are still going to be okay in the long run. But yeah, it's definitely. Concerning. I mean, Solomedo started really strong at double A. The league adjusted. He has struggled to adjust back. Jones has been pitching better of late. His last start at Indy, he pitched six scoreless. But yeah, it's it's it would be silly to not be at least a little concerned. Um, because we're not talking one or two bad starts here. We're talking an extended period. Of, yeah, just not not good for those two since being moved up to double A and triple A respectively. So yeah, it would be it would be very foolish if anyone to not have any concerns at all about the direction in which those two are trending right now. Well, uh, you know, they are having their struggles, but Eddie Yeen is on the way. And when he gets to Pittsburgh, we're going to be okay, Marty. Uh, you're sour well, Peru. What do you get? Alone, of course. <laughs> Uh, no, oh, my, my sour pierogi, I'm going to go with one that I've probably gone with multiple times this year, and some people might be sick of hearing me talk about. But I'm going to go with Colin Holderman. I mean, Friday night against the Yankees, comes in, 5-3 lead in the ninth inning. Before you can blink, the bases are loaded. He walks in a run. <clears throat> I mean, I know his defense didn't do him any favors, but when the first four batters you reach are a single and three walks, including a walk with the bases loaded, I, I'm not putting anything on the defense at that point. Um He's just – I'm not saying Holderman's not a good reliever. I'm saying he shouldn't be pitching in high-leverage situations. I mean, if you look on fan graphs, 
by their metrics in high leverage situations this year. He has a 262 batting average against and 338 on base percentage, 393 slugging, all of which are his highest between low, medium, and high leverage situations. And in high leverage situations, his ERA is 631. So he he's actually allowed more runs in high leverage situations this year than he has in low and medium leverage combined. Um, I think Colin Holderman is fine as a middle reliever, but that's what he is. I don't think he's a guy you can consistently count on in late inning close game type spots. He has struggled in those spots a lot this year. And Friday night against the Yankees was just the latest example of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is a guy and you've been accurate. I mean, you've been uh, on his bumper all year for, for good reason. Um, but it just, you know, as a late reliever, it does not work uh, on a, on a scale Marty of fire into the sun. And I think they measure heat and Kelvin. I'm not hundred percent sure. I, I don't know science like that. So we'll go one Kelvin to 10 Kelvin. Uh, where does Colin Holderman rank in relation to spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Austin Hedges, who, who had the higher Kelvin levels this season? I mean, Hedges is definitely higher. I, you know, hopefully he doesn't get offended by that comment like he does booing, you know. <laughs> One last new thing in the city of Pittsburgh is athletes are get offended by doing so. You know, Austin Hedges and Phil Dracovic, I heard, are going to be holding, holding support meetings on Tuesday nights. Matt Canada might want to attend sometime too. But, um, <laughs> That's going to say. But I uh, know, um, again, I think Holderman is perfectly fine as like a middle relief guy who – Hey, you know, maybe once every two weeks or so, whenever you have guys down, you throw a big spot at. But I just, he's not a guy to me who's ever looked like he belongs pitching in the eighth or ninth inning of ball games. Um, the stats back that up. And I understand at one point you may have felt like you didn't have options, but man, Carmen Majinski's been really good. He's been really, really good. Um, you, you know, and I also saying Friday it was a little bit different because they'd already used Majinski and Bednar was unavailable. And that's where maybe if, if Shelton lets Keller go for the complete game Thursday against the Nats is, is avoided because Bednar doesn't get used. He's available Friday. But I do think going into next season, the best makeup of the Pirate bullpen would be with Bednar at the back end, um, Majinski, and then you bring someone in to go with those two, the high leverage arm at the back. Um, and allow Colin Horderman to slide into more of that middle relief role where I think he can be a lot more successful. I'm with you. Um, you know, and that's where it's like, it's different because 
you could find success with Colin Holderman in the right position, but um, just mismanaged. And uh, we saw that Friday night, of course, against New York. Uh, but, you know, I think you do find a serviceable Colin Holderman uh, in a certain role with this team. Let's talk about the minor leagues a little bit. Minor league playoffs going on right now. And I got to give a shout out here to start my hometown, Greenville, South Carolina, the Greenville Drive. Um, such a great minor league franchise. They are competing for their second uh, MILB title. I believe they're still in the South Atlantic League. And I apologize if uh, if I'm wrong there. But I think they're still in the Sally League. Uh, in single play, they're trying to win a championship tonight. So shout out to starter minor league minute to the Greenville Drive. And good luck to them. Uh, Marty, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates minor league system. Termar Johnson uh, has been named to the Florida State League all-star team here. Uh, I want to touch on a little bit of Mitch Jeb during our minor league minute too, because um, the kid can play. And I know he made a few of our of our Rum Bunter uh, staff picks for the top ten prospects. But let's start with Termar Johnson this honor, and um, you know, just kind of reflect on his season as a whole. The injury, the amazing production we saw. Um, just your thoughts on Termar Johnson as as his minor league season wraps up. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't expect ask for a much better first prof- full professional season out of Termar Johnson. I mean, the kid is just so advanced of a hitter for his age, especially his patience and eye at the plate. Um, I mean, you look, he, he, he performed extremely well at low A and at high A. Um, excuse me, between the two, he played 105 games this year, got on base at a four, 422 clip. His ISO was almost 200. He walked at a 22% rate. Um, just really good. 12 doubles, 18 home runs. And to do all of that at, I mean, he's 19 now, but spent a big chunk of the season at age 18. Um, didn't turn 18 or 19 until the middle of the summer. Just, just incredible. Just absolutely incredible. What Tamar Johnson was able to do this year. Excuse me. Showed why he was top five pick in the draft show. Why he was arguably the best pure hitter in the draft class and showed why he's probably the best second base prospect in all of baseball. One thing I love about him, too, and this is, you know, it's kind of semantics and uh, off the field, I guess. But the dude is just the personality is is so awesome. I mean, this guy is constantly on his social media shouting out other minor leaguers, guys he came up with, uh, you know, when they make their all star team or when they have success, or they get the call up, whatever. I just love the the energy that Termar Johnson brings along with the, um, you know, just impressive on field performance at such a young age. Uh, you know, and so new to professional baseball as well. It has been fun to see. And I think that's, you know, it, it's tough, Marty, because the Pittsburgh Pirates obviously kind of have to go about things a certain way with uh, with the, the way baseball works. And, um, you know, with their draft as well, we saw a certain kind of strategy in 21 with Henry Davis. Um, you know, but for Termar Johnson in 22, that was a different kind of pick. You know, you're going and getting the top guy on the board, the guy that you're going to have to spend a little bit more money on to see it work out, you know, for him, a, a guy that was a, a big name, you know, one of the top names in the draft, for him to, to live up to that hype this first season, just gets excited because that's, uh, you know, you don't get that as much in Pittsburgh. Uh, but Termar Johnson cannot say enough about uh, about his season. We'll do a, a full-on minor league player of the year next week or next episode, and we kind of recap this whole thing, and um, I'm sure he's going to get some votes there as well. Uh, anything else you want to highlight in the minor leagues right now? I touched on Mitch Jeb. I know he is um, – had an excellent season. He's kind of, uh, you know, come onto the scene a little bit more in the minds of, uh, of Pirates fans in the mind of this organization. Uh, maybe touch on him here, Marty, and uh, anything else you got for the minor league men? 
Yeah, one other thing before we get to Mitch Jeb, I would imagine, just an arm that I feel like is kind of forgotten, but shouldn't be. Um, coming back from Tommy John, Max Cranick has been pitching in AAA. He pitched for Indy tonight, won three innings, gave up one run. In 12 and two-thirds innings pitched to Indy, he's allowed four runs and struck out 10. So good to see. I mean, it's definitely an arm that, I mean, at this point in his career, probably projects as a reliever. Um, just with the injuries and whatnot, but definitely an electric arm that can help in the major leagues in some fashion next year. So good to see, not just see Kranich back on the mound, but back on the mound and pitching well at AAA. Um, but yeah, Mitch Jeb, you know, he's, since getting drafted, his just, he, he just gets on base. I mean, he's walked at a 12% clip. He only struck out in 7% of his trips to the plate and his 34 games played at the low A level. Um, his on base was 382. He nearly hit 300. He slugged about 400. Um, a lot of speed there, stole 11 bases. He, he definitely seems to project. He's a guy who I don't know if he'll ever necessarily be a full-time starter in the major leagues, but a guy, if you throw him in kind of like that old Josh Harrison role of just kind of bounce all over the place, start three, four times a week, um, can step in and start. You know, if someone's out with injury and you need him to be an everyday player for a few weeks, he can. So that definitely seems to be an intriguing player that they got in the second round out of Michigan State in this year's draft. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, it, it's fun to see guys like that kind of come onto the scene a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this minor league season wrapping up just the same with the major league season. Uh, like I said, we'll we'll really break it down and, um, you know, we hand, hand out some some run to radio superlatives when we when we get into all that. But uh Nice to put a lid on it here and see some progress along with, uh, you know, the Jared Joneses, Anthony Solomedos uh, of the world for this last last month, last couple months here. Uh, Marty, who is going to win the 2023 World Series and why is it not going to be the Atlanta Braves? I know you're going to hate me for it, Trey, but I still think it's going to be Atlanta. I just. I'm probably with you. I mean, shit. that team's just so good. And if not Atlanta, it's going to be everyone's other favorite team, the Houston Astros. Um, I, I would love, love for it to be the Baltimore Orioles. That team is so much fun. I've said it on here before. I have no real rhyme or reason for it. I wasn't a Pirates fan. I'd be an Orioles fan. I don't know why. There's just something about that organization I've always enjoyed. Um, yeah, I, I would love to see it be the Orioles. I don't think they're there yet. I think their time is coming. I think they will win a World Series at some point in the next five years or so. But I'm still going to stick with the Braves. Preseason, I said Braves over Blue Jays. Um, I still think that's a very possible World Series matchup without a doubt. But uh, you just kind of get the feelings that the Houston Astros are going to find a way to win the American League again for, what, the 18th year in a row or whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. at this point. Especially whenever they got Ver, I mean them and Verlander. That's a marriage that never should have ended anyway. But yeah, I, I I still think Atlanta comes out on top. They're just from top to bottom. They're just so complete. Their lineup, their pitching, their bullpen. Just there are no holes. Not even remotely any holes on that team. You know, you look at the Astros. You still at times have some questions about the length in the lineup. At times, maybe worry a little bit about rotation depth. But the Braves, there, there's nothing there. There's nothing you worry about. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I know I don't have the disdain for the Atlanta Braves that you do, but you know they, they still provide arguably the worst moment in Pirates franchise history. So, so they they're, they're always going to be some anger there from Pirate fans. So I don't like it either. But 
I think for the what would it be their second in four years, second in three years, whatever it is, I think the Braves get it done and win it all again. I thought we didn't recognize 2021 for whatever reason. Um, I'm with you, Marty. But, you know, it almost seems a little bit too perfect, right? I mean, this is supposed to be theirs. Everything's lined up so perfectly for this Atlanta Braves team. Uh, I think they are the World Series champions, though, at the end of the day. Um, and I'm with you. I think that Toronto pick is still extremely likely. I think Rangers – it just feels like Rangers-Braves. I can easily see that going I, down. I think with Scherzer out – It's going to be tough. I, yeah, because the Rangers, even with Scherzer, there was a lot of question about that pitching. Without Scherzer, yeah, sure. I really can't see a way the Rangers – I'm not even sure the Rangers are going to get into the postseason. True. <laughs> Might not make let it. alone go anywhere if they get there. Right. It's, uh, you know, it's fine. And this time of the year, we always see outstanding battles. Um, this year, I think to an extent, the divisions had a little bit, you know, not every division by any means, but there wasn't quite that same race uh, in all of them. And of course, not in the National League Central Division. Brewers starting to, to sleep away here. What is their uh, outlook, Marty? How do you think the NL Central is going to fare in the playoffs? I will say. Honestly, if I had to pick a team other than Atlanta, I would seriously consider Milwaukee because in a five or seven game series where Cor- Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff are going to start four of those games, I would take my chances if I'm Milwaukee. And then you got Freddie Peralta, there's no slouch either. Um, but you've got two legitimate Cy Young guys at the top of that rotation. And in the postseason, you know, in a five or seven game series, you have those guys at the top of your rotation going to start at least four of the games. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't roll out the Brewers making a run. I will say, if I'm a National League squad, I don't want to play the Brewers in the playoffs. Not with their pitching. You know, their their pitching top to bottom is so good, especially at the top with Burns and with Woodruff. So yeah, if I was, if I were a National League team, um, I certainly would not want to play the Milwaukee Brewers in a playoff series. I, I'm with you. I think this is a, this is a dangerous Brewers team. Um, you know, and that Phillies team is relatively dangerous as well. LA's coming on here. It just seems to me like uh, the path is becoming a little bit more narrow for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, and how about this, Marty? I mean, you know, a division that had been touted coming in as maybe the worst in the game's history. It was going to be the worst in baseball, this, that, whatever, uh, about the NL Central, really both Centrals, but about the NL Central, um, you know, this is a vision that might get three teams into the playoffs, depending on how it shakes out with Arizona here down the stretch. You think the Reds make it? And if they do, is there uh, any kind of run left in that tank? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the most interesting, one of the most fascinating, just fun things to watch these next few weeks as a baseball fan is going to be that National League wild card race. Um, you know, you, you look at the American League and Toronto – Seattle, Texas, like two of those three are getting in is the, is the last two wild card spots. Um, but the National League, I think the, the Phillies are definitely in, but then, you know, Arizona, the Cubs, the Reds, the Marlins, the Giants are all right there. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, Crazy. I I don't know. I I would say I would probably say that the Reds don't get in because looking at the other teams there – Arizona, the Cubs, the Marlins, San Francisco. I think the Reds have the worst starting pitching in the group. Um, I think starting pitching is why. I think it winds up Arizona and the Cubs. I think the Giants starting pitching is right there with them, but the Giants are two games back of Arizona and the Cubs who currently hold wild card spots. It may not sound like much, but make up two games 
in in 12 days is, is not easy to do. Um, now, I think the Cubs are another team who, sticking with the NL Central, could make some noise in the postseason because of that starting pitching um, with Marcus Stroman, with Justin Steele. Like, it, the, the ability's there for them to make some noise. The Reds, for the reasons I don't think they make it, I can't see them making it now. I mean, maybe they could outslug some teams, but I just don't think the Reds have the starting pitching, which is crazy because coming into the year, you thought, I mean, we talked about it on here that the Reds might like quietly have a really good starting rotation, but then it, it just, it hasn't, it, it hasn't panned out for them the way they had hoped with, I mean, obviously a lot of their top prospect, top prospect, excuse me, hitters, but you know, Lodolo got hurt. Um, Graham Ashcraft forgot how to pitch. You know, they, they ran into a lot of problems there, but uh, I, I think it'll be the Cubs in, in Arizona getting in those last two wildcard spots behind the Phillies just because of their starting pitching. Um, and like I said, I think the Cubs and Brewers to tie back to the NL Central, especially the Brewers, are more than capable of making noise in the postseason. And if nothing else, at least being a pain in the side and a very difficult team to eliminate because of their starting pitching. For sure. You know, it was always about like, what was their health situation going to look like? What was this roster going to look like when we got September into October? That's a team that could make a run for sure. I think it is probably safe to say it's Chicago, Arizona, and Philly. And we talked about it a lot really towards the, the early part of the season. But uh, I think Chicago has set themselves up for a long stretch of purgatory. Maybe they make a run before they uh, they have to deal with all of that. I think Miami would be a lot of fun, too. If we could see Baltimore-Miami in the World Series. That's yeah, a- I, I will say <laughs> Miami would be a lot. That's such a young, exciting team. Oh, so fun. I mean, that's another team with a lot of pitching that I wouldn't want to play in the postseason. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't – I mean, and I'm also – I will say this with the caveat. I have no idea what these teams' remaining schedules look like. That's always important. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at the Cubs and the Marlins, in theory – you know, the Cubs obviously play the Pirates for three starting tonight. The Marlins play the Pirates for three to end the year. Um, the Reds have three games with the Pirates also. So, in theory, so in theory you, you think that benefits them, but the fact that they all play the Pirates, I, I don't know. Um, again, I have no idea what their remaining schedules look like. So, I mean, if I really wanted to go in-depth, I should have probably looked at that first because I might yeah, be I'm saying, saying this, this about Arizona. and all I know, they can have, like, six games up from Dodgers or something. But, yeah. Well, no, you know. I think they'll wind up Arizona and Chicago. I think so too, but uh, it is fun to think. Hey, maybe this NL uh, wild card race runs through Pittsburgh. I mean, um, in a lot of ways, it really does, because the Pirates' remaining games are all against teams in the wild card hunt. Three at the Cubs, three at the Reds. I mean, three at the Phillies. I think the Phillies are probably safe unless they completely implode, and then three at the Marlins. But yeah, in a lot of ways, the the Pirates may dictate the National League wild card <laughs> more than any of the teams in the race. No doubt. Uh, you know, I, I think we ran down all of this, Marty, ultimately, so I could give you the opportunity to uh, to tell me where the Cardinals are going to finish this season within the division. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing, isn't it? The St. Louis Cardinals are, I, I feel I feel confident in saying the St. Louis Cardinals are going to finish in last. I mean, the Pirates, the Pirates are three games up. I get it. It's the Pirates. Insert every joke in the world you want here. But making up three games on a team in 12 days is really hard to do, especially when you're a team as bad as the Cardinals, because let's say the Pirates would go 0-12. The Cardinals would have to go 4-8 and to pass them. I'm not sure the Cardinals go 4-8, regardless of what the Pirates do. They stink. So if nothing else, there is that this year. 
There's no good, evil, dirty, rotten St. Louis Cardinals are below 500 for the first time since 2007 and barring something insane for the first time since 1997. It's only the second time in the history of the National League Central the Cardinals are going to finish behind the Pirates in the standings. It's uh, it's quite the sight here, Marty. This is um, this has been a turbulent year up and down for the Pirates. They do reach the 70 win mark, and uh, while they will not make the playoffs, uh, who knows? Eight games out of that wild card spot, there is uh, what 12 games left. Yeah, there's a chance. Um, they're not going to make the playoffs, but there are things that you point to this season. Uh, one of those being the St. Louis Cardinals will finish behind them. That should feel confident about. And hey, we have each other. This is why uh, why we do this. This is why we pull for the Pirates, why we're on Twitter, why we have our site, everything because um, of this unbelievable community of Pirates fans that uh, you know we're going to be talking about making the playoffs uh, a year from right now. Marty, as we wrap it up here, anything else you want to get to uh, to close this out? Anything else uh, you got coming up on the website? Or maybe you just want to talk about the Penn State and the New Lions because they are 3-0 to start this season. Whatever you got, uh, your final thoughts on this episode. Yeah, no, what else? Uh, Nick and I were texting back and forth that day. We're going to be starting probably, if not next week, the week after. Just kind of some minor league recap stuff. You know, we're going to have highlighting some of the top hitters and pitchers at each minor league level this year for each team. Top performers, that sort of stuff. Um, I know we've gotten a lot of compliments and things lately on Twitter, which I'm extremely grateful for and thankful for. Um, not for the, just the readers, but for our staff about how great our minor league coverage is and how we really cover the minor leagues better than just about anywhere else on the pirates internet. Um, I don't say, well, I'm not going to say we do it the best. Cause I don't think we do it the best, but I know we're among the best when it comes to covering the minor leagues and people taking recognize that and noticing that makes you feel good. So uh, yeah, we'll have that. And, you know, as the calendar flips to October, the pirates won't be playing, but it'll be Arizona fall league time. And uh, well, whoever winds up in the fall league from the pirate farm system, will have you covered there. And uh yeah, you know, Saturday night, Beaver Stadium, 7.30, white out. Iowa, revenge game. If you're a Penn State fan, I'm sure you're as salty as I am about Kirk Ferentz accusing guys of faking injury. You know, <laughs> P.J. Mustafer was so committed, so committed to it that he tore his ACL, missed the rest of the 21 season, and completely tanked his NFL future just to fake injuries in front of the Iowa fans. So, uh, yeah, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but the special teams coach, he was flopping around the field like a toddler. In that game, I just hope CBS gets a nice shot of him on the sidelines in the fourth quarter on Saturday when Penn State's up by 20, and we'll see if he's flopping around like a toddler. Uh, that is bad blood. That is why we do it. Uh, I mean, it may sound weird to people who are not involved in this. Like, if you're listening to this and you're a Pitt fan or a Penn State fan or whatever it may be, a lot of it, I think, stems from the rivalry, rivalry in wrestling. The Penn State and Iowa fans absolutely hate each other. It is pure hatred and in football the games tend to be close um since penn state joined the big 10 they're 11 and 11 against each other in football um you know trey i know you're a bama guy i almost feel like it's it's almost like bama and Ole miss to an extent we're like there are so many years where penn state was more talented than iowa and somehow lost or somehow got drugged into this just straight fight of a game um and for whatever it's just it's there's something about kinnick stadium you know and uh, but yeah, it's the, those are two fan bases that in multiple sports have zero love loss for each other. So, uh, I mean, the two coaching staffs, I don't think like each other very much either. So, even if you don't have a horse in the race, I know Pitt plays primetime Saturday too. But if you're more interested in watching uh, entertaining game other than instead of Drake May throwing for 500 yards against Pitt, 
uh, flip over to CBS. And it should be a good game. Yeah. Well, you know, they'll have a chance to see Heinz Field, I guess. But that is going to be the uh, the more interesting game on Saturday. And hey, I'm going to chance to directly, you know, numerically get after the French family with the uh, the 25 point. Uh, Overhead, there <laughs> they have to meet. I, I will say too, real quick on the on the uh, the Ferentz family. If you are on Twitter, which I'm sure most of you are, and you're a college football fan and you like the prices right, odds are if you're a college football fan, what do you already follow Sicko's committee? If you don't, after every Iowa game, the the cliffhanger game when the Price is Right with the little guy hanging up or singing like the the yodel music, it's that. With it's Kirk Ferentz climbing the mountain and Brian Ferentz's face is behind it. It's the countdown to 325 because how many points you have to get to in order to average 25 points per game this year? It's phenomenal. If they don't, if by the end of the game they're not averaging 25 points for the year, they play the prices right fail music. It, it's 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 great stuff. Go check it out. I mean, I know, I know we're kind of off tangent here because it's a baseball podcast, not a college football podcast, but. Sicko's committee is probably the greatest thing on Twitter. So go check it out. Uh, definitely go check it out. Um, and that's what you get with this time of year. You get some crossover. Uh, and I think uh, Brian's at what, 28 is, is what they're through three games with? They're, they're currently averaging literally like 25.2 points per game. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they put up 41 on Western Michigan, including punching one in in the closing seconds because they uh, couldn't score against. Um, Iowa State, or I forget who they played the first game, like South Dakota or something. Yeah, it was, yeah. Well, you know, it's just, and like you said, not to get way too far off. If, if you're still here, you, we've gotten all if the If you're still here at this point, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah kudos yeah. to you because you're, you, you like football. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's got to be awkward. I mean, the, the offense has to know, everybody has to know. Um, got to be very That's awkward. Coach. It's just, it's, yeah. it's just not, not a good scene. Uh, yeah. Go check that out on Twitter, Sickos Committee. Go check us out on Twitter at Rumbunter. And like I said, you can find us on rumbunter.com as well. Articles uh, detailing the minor leagues, as Marty said, and, um, you know, wrapping up the rest of this Major League Baseball season as well. well but until next time. Stuff. I came on. No, that's a good job. I came on no. here talking about how Bailey Falters pitched better to join the Pirates and he just gave up a tour and nuked the dance. Yeah. And so. Oh, we're playing baseball. I didn't even yeah. look up. Yeah, it's true. I was going to say, this was in a weather delay uh, probably about 10 minutes ago, but we are live. and uh, sh- sh- a Shocker, the Pirates got two on, was one out in the top half of the inning, couldn't score. Real surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Well, you know what? This is where the uh, the wild card race does run through Pittsburgh. Chicago's taking advantage right now. The next time we meet back, um, we will have a little bit of season left, so we'll have a better idea of where all that is. But uh, we'll be prepping for that offseason. We'll have Nick Caparoso back, and uh, we'll be ready to go. But until then, for Marty Leap, my name is Trey Kennedy. Thank you all for joining us for this episode of Rum Muncher Radio. Have a great week, everybody, and let's go Bucks. <laughs>